Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary practice issues. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP, and its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. Thanks for joining us for this episode of AJHP Voices. My name is Daniel Koba, and I'm the editor-in-chief of AJHP. Today, we'll be discussing the June 1st, 2021 AJHP Specialty Pharmacy theme issue. Our guests are Dr. Joseph Cesars of Vissant and Dr. Scott Canfield of the Johns Hopkins Home Care Group. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Welcome to AJHP Voices. Thanks, Daniel. Good to be here. It's good to have you here. Nice to see you, Joe. Nice to see you, Scott. Before we talk about the theme issue, which I'm really excited to talk about because I know how much work you've put into this over a long time. It's been a really long journey. I'd really like to hear more about your journeys, using that word again, into specialty pharmacy practice. Joe, let's start with you. How did you end up in specialty pharmacy? Yeah, thanks, Dan. Uh, Great question. So my specialty pharmacy journey really began when I was a pharmacy resident at University of Wisconsin. I mean, this would have been... 2010, 2012, I spent two years there. During that time, I was given my master's project, which was to try to figure out what was going on with some of these delays and discharge that we saw with patients, as well as we we're getting some complaints from clinics around turnaround times related to all of these new specialty pharmacy drugs that were coming out. So my job was to solve that problem. And over the last year of my residency is when we developed our discharge prior authorization team, as well as um, we started our first specialty pharmacy prior authorization technician for a few of our specialty pharmacy clinics. So that was really my first foray into, I don't even think I knew what specialty pharmacy was at the time, but obviously a a core foundation of what specialty pharmacies do today. Luckily enough, I was able to to stick around UW after residency and, and oversee that team for a period of time. And and both manage and direct our specialty pharmacy services and ambulatory pharmacy services there. So I was able to grow with our program, which was pretty young at that time, and and really appreciated everything that I learned through that process with with the team around me. And now I know that you've left since then, but what does specialty pharmacy look like at UW today? You know, we started with one technician when I left. uh, We had 40 that oversaw all medication prior authorizations across the system. So it was pretty remarkable to, to see that grow. And that was one of the goals that our team set early on in the process was any prior authorization related to a medication, we want that to be owned by pharmacy because we know we can provide great patient care, great patient service, reduce turnaround time, and, and obviously a, a great opportunity for pharmacy technicians to, to move up the ranks and, and advance in their role as well. So it checked a lot of boxes and we, are, we were excited to grow the team. Wow, that's that's fascinating. Scott, what about you? Did you have a similar journey into specialty practice? Yeah, thank you, Dan. My first exposure to specialty was as a fourth-year pharmacy student, actually on rotation. Mine was from the the managed care side of specialty as an initial exposure, and I, as part of that rotation, really saw the importance and relevance of specialty early on, and I, I really gravitated towards the mix of both clinical as well as business that specialty pharmacy um, includes. So, and I also just loved getting to learn about new diseases and new products, which is something that's um, carried with me ever since. So from, from there, I had some tremendous people at UW Health advocate for me, including Joe, and kind of took a chance on, 
on me and taking me on as a pharmacy resident within UW Health. So similar to Joe, but a little different, got exposed to more of specialty pharmacy as a resident and really building my my skill set in that before joining the team at Johns Hopkins Home Care Group about six years ago and started as a, a clinical programs manager within our specialty team there before moving into my current role. So it's interesting, you the two of you work together as resident and faculty or resident and I guess not specifically program directors that right Joe you weren't the you weren't the program director but you you precepted Scott is is that actually I was the program director and okay. without Scott we probably wouldn't have started our program so soon it was it's kind of fortuitous who Scott did his uh, fourth year pharmacy rotation with came to us when we were just kind of early on in the idea of starting a specialty pharmacy residency so to Scott's point we thought it was a great match and wanted to kickstart the program with him so we did, and Scott was probably the first health system in it, health system specialty pharmacy resident to go through a program. So it was a, a fantastic start for us, and obviously Scott's gone on to do two to great things. So we're happy that our paths crossed back in the day. So uh, to, to go from resident and program director to co-guest editors of a theme issue for HHP, that's a remarkable journey in and of itself. I wonder, if, as you think about this, what was important to you? Why was it important to you for HHP to, to publish a second theme issue on specialty pharmacy? And Joe, I'll, I'll start with you here. You know, and we, we kind of started this process. A lot of our thoughts were reflecting on the first specialty pharmacy theme issue, which was about five years ago when that was published. And at that point in time, health system specialty pharmacy was... You know, there are some people that were involved in it, and there are some people that were interested in it. There were a few that were further along in the process, and really, I would say it was a, a novel idea within health systems to have kind of these larger, more formal programs for specialty pharmacies at that point in time. And, and that theme issue was really a call to action to say, hey, this is something that health systems need to be aware of. You need to be able to manage your patients better. There's win-wins for clinic staffs and clinic providers, as well as the organization overall. So that was really kind of a, a spark that that lit what we've seen happen over the past five years. And that's been pretty significant growth in, in health system pharmacies across that space. I think health systems make up something like 40% of all specialty pharmacies in the country now. And that's grown from probably five years ago, somewhere in the 10 to 15% range. So really significant growth, really big splash in the marketplace that health systems have been making. And I think when Scott and I were thinking about this theme issue, a lot of it was focused on, you know, we, we've got that foundation now. Um, health systems have started to build those programs. It's much more, more common to have them. We really need to figure out how to help health systems take this to the next level and really focus on some practical things and forward thinking ideas that we could take and, and really, you know, share with others, share some of the great things that some of the leading health system specialty pharmacy programs are doing. And that's kind of what kind of brought all this together to some degree is, is that passion around advancing health system specialty pharmacy services across the board. Scott, what would you add to that? Yeah, I, I agree with Joe. You know, thinking back, a, a lot of health systems were just getting into specialty and learning about it at the, the time of that theme issue, the initial one. So compared to that, there's there's just so many more in the space who are looking to to grow their programs, mature their programs, and advance it. So I really think we've moved from 
know, asking and addressing the question of what what is specialty pharmacy to really, you know, what should health system specialty pharmacy be and, you know, what is a good health system specialty pharmacy model that will be sustainable for years to come. So as you thought about that, as you thought about growing, maturing, advancing programs and a sustainable model, how did you go about selecting topics then? Scott, what what was the approach to topic selection? How did you and Joe and, and Joe jump in here certainly? How did you go about that process? Yeah, I think we, we really just sat down and we're we're trying to come up with what are what are we thinking about right now? What are the the main issues that we're seeing in, in current practice as well as where do we think things are going? So what do we do differently within health system specialty pharmacy that we want to highlight and that is currently happening as well as, well, what do we need to focus on that's going to be coming our way that collectively as a group of health system specialty pharmacists and pharmacy leaders, we need to be thinking about together so that we can work on tackling those together and, and lift each other up in the process. So we, we tried to be as forward thinking as we could, knowing that Again, many health systems are now maturing, growing, and encountering similar types of challenges beyond just how do I get started. Scott and I went back and forth on a lot of discussions as well as far as like, what do we want to focus on? What direction do we want to take this? And I think we kept coming back to three you know, main points. One was we want it to be practical. We want it to be information that people can take and use and apply and not just theoretical. So we wanted you know, something that was usable for institutions. The second thing was something that was novel. So we wanted, you know, to Scott's point, forward thinking, things that are kind of hitting now that we know are gonna be important over the next couple of years, which led to the third point, which was durability. Like we want something that can be reflected upon in the years to come by health systems as a toolkit or a good resource for, as you wanna grow your program, as you want to demonstrate the value of your program, you know, these are all references that you could use to make that, you know, value proposition or business case uh, within your organization. So, you know, a, a lot of great discussion and, and Scott and I um, spent many, many hours thinking about who, what, and, and what could be involved in this process. So I think it was a great team effort. And so what did that translate into in terms of topics? What can the readers expect to see in terms of the, the articles that are included in the issue? I'll list a couple. I think some of the ones that we were excited about, and there's there's a lot of great articles in there, but we, we wanted to span across the spectrum uh, of what you'd encounter in a, in a health system specialty pharmacy. So obviously outcomes are a big focus right now. So we knew we wanted to have you know some articles published around demonstrating the value and the outcomes that health system pharmacies can bring to the table. We also knew that we wanted to look at workforce development, and, and one of the things that we are focusing on is specifically leadership development and, and knowing that this is going to be an area that continues to grow for health system specialty pharmacy practices. So leadership is going to be critical in having folks that can help with supporting these programs. Scott wrote an article about gene therapy, which once again, kind of focusing on that forward-thinking, cutting-edge marketplace disruption with these, these novel therapies that are coming out that are changing the face of specialty pharmacy and, and what it looks like, as well as, you know, on the manufacturer side, how are there ways that you can partner with manufacturers? How are there ways to kind of look at those marketplace connections and see how you can grow your program through, through those avenues? So 
a lot of different facets. We tried to to kind of be holistic as well as heterogeneous in, in our approach, but I'm sure I missed some other topics. Scott, is there anything else that, that you can think of? I think that was a great highlight of the articles, Joe. And I think only thing I'll add is you know, looking at the, the impact of health systems, especially pharmacies. I know we've got some information about provider satisfaction and how that model within health systems uh, is recognized by providers outside of pharmacy as well and the, the impact that that has on patients. And in addition to gene therapy, thinking about precision medicine, thinking about all of the new frontiers of targeted therapy, whether it's gene therapy or, other, or otherwise, you also find information in the theme issue on those themes too. You know, you, you both have really focused, and Joe, you provided some statistics on the, the percentage of health system-based specialty pharmacy programs across the United States. How does a health system program differ fundamentally from these programs in in other settings. And Scott, I'll start with you on that, but I'd be interested to hear both of your perspectives on that. Yeah, that's a great question. I think if I had to focus in on one theme, it would be integration. So I, I think we oftentimes will refer to ourselves as integrated care models or integrated delivery networks within the health system space with specialty pharmacy. And I, I think that integrated word is is the right one. So when we talk about building a program in specialty pharmacy just to, to actually take care of patients effectively. We, we work with our providers and our clinics and we say, you know, what does our model for taking care of patients living with cancer or living with multiple sclerosis ideally look like within the entirety of our program, meaning not just pharmacy in a silo, but working with other people within the care team. And I, I think that that level of integration is really only possible in a setting like a health system where we can build those relationships, we can have effective communication, we can share information via a shared medical record and actually work as a team versus specialty pharmacies that, that don't have that opportunity. They're just much more challenged to share information, to develop relationships. And, and at the end of the day, I, I really do believe that that relationship both within the care team with and with the patient is what's going to drive outcomes. Patients who are engaged in their care, engaged with their care team, I think that's going to be at the end of the day what what we what we lean on to prove that we have a better model. So I, I think that integration is one of the key uh, items for me. So Joe, do you agree with that principle of integration being the differentiator? Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I think, you know, integration and, and I think of things like holistic care and less fragmentation of care and and really, you know, being able to serve patients in that one pharmacy and reducing risk for medication errors and to Scott's point, like really engaging patients and, and care in their therapy is is critical. And I think that health systems can do that better than any other type of practice. And I think you just look at what's changing in the landscape too, like globally. You know, more physicians, more specialists are part of health systems and academic medical centers. And a lot of the specialty prescriptions are written within our health systems across the country. And so ideally, we want to care for those patients and manage those patients internally. To Scott's points, you know, we can interface with the providers directly much more easily. They can see everything that we're doing. We can see everything that they're doing to help manage this patient. And it really does bridge that gap where you know, if, if you don't have it being filled within the health system and it goes outside, 
a lot of the times you as a pharmacist, if you're in that type of pharmacy are, are flying blind because you can't see the medical record. You don't have access to that. And it's a little bit more inefficient for you and the, the care team to have those conversations around prior authorizations and, and get all that completed. So it's more efficient, it's better care for patients. And, and ultimately it's a great program and service offering for our pharmacy departments to provide the clinics and patients and their families. Joe, I'm gonna stick with you for a minute on this. You, you talked about content that's practical and that can be applied. And you also talked about mature programs and advancing their programs versus establishing a new program. How do you see though, when you really get down to it, the the practical application of the content how would you see a specialty pharmacy program actually using it digging into it and using it to either start a new program or advance a program yeah and and i think you know like we mentioned some of these aren't necessarily programmatic aspects or elements they're kind of things that you need to be aware of and as you grow your program or as you're you're thinking about things that are going to be coming up in the next couple of years so I think when we talk about some of the elements that we incorporated and, and we worked with our authors on for the theme issue related to what can you apply, it's really the one and the theme issue related to kind of partnering with manufacturers upstream and, and looking at what that looks like. You know, it'd be easy to write an essay about that, but but we worked with the authors and really wanted to have them have almost more of like a toolkit or checklists of like, here's the stepwise approach that you can take to that type of partnership have it be fruitful, to have it be beneficial. And it's just something that provides almost a script for a pharmacy program to kind of follow as they try to, to build that aspect of their program. So we tried to, to kind of like take some of those, you know, a lot of these concepts are more administrative or strategic. We tried to take some of those concepts and put them into a fashion that you could take as a health system, if you're a specialty pharmacy leader or involved in the program and, and really, you know, take that to your team, review it, and, and put a game plan together of how you'd want to tackle that specific element within your program. Scott, you know, thinking about the fact that you were one of the first uh, folks to finish a specialty pharmacy residency, and do you see this content having applicability then in going back even to your comments about being a fourth-year pharmacy student and already identifying an interest there. Do you see applicability for the, the education and training experience for pharmacy students and residents? Absolutely. I mean, I, I remember when the first theme issue came out and that was around the time when I think I was a resident. So being able to read the articles, understand you know, what all the other systems who were contributing to that were, were thinking in the specialty space was very impactful. So I, I think that there's definitely a, I don't know, almost an element of inspiring people too, who maybe are, are thinking about entering the specialty space, maybe as a student or an, a resident in whatever program they might be. I really hope that, you know, reading these articles and seeing kind of the future vision of specialty will continue to inspire others to either affirm their career path in specialty, or if they haven't started thinking about it, perhaps they will after reading some of these. Moving on to some of the specifics, you and Joe wrote this really insightful and visionary editorial to kick off the issue. And one of the things that you talked about there was positive disruption in the specialty pharmacy marketplace. What did you mean by that? 
Yeah, I think we hit on quite a bit of that already. To be honest with you, I think a lot of it had to do with when you look at other alternatives in the marketplace compared to a health system, especially pharmacy, the model of what we're talking about is completely different. It's, it's, it's more of a collaborative approach, and it really does put an emphasis on patient care, patient outcomes, as well as that kind of integrated model that Scott was talking about. So to have that type of service offering in a marketplace that hadn't historically seen that before and operated, you know, like a traditional outpatient community pharmacy setting, in my mind, opens the door and really provides uh, health systems to have that value proposition. And, and we've seen it across the country as far as health systems kind of, you know, embracing that and going and talking with payers and manufacturers and, and other, you know, business partners related to their specialty pharmacy programs to help grow their business. And I think, at least in my mind, I'm probably biased, but I do feel like the, the marketplace is listening. I do feel like they're open to having these discussions because they see the value there as well. So by no means is it an easy road to, to go, go forward with, but at the same time, I feel like we have a really good you know, value proposition for the services that we can provide and how they're different than what else is available in the marketplace. Scott, anything else to add to how you define positive disruption? I agree with what Joe said. I, I mean, I think the positive disruption that I really see is that recognition, recognition that health system models demonstrate better patient satisfaction, better patient journeys, better provider satisfaction, faster, safer access to drugs. I, I think there's growing evidence as well that there's an opportunity to demonstrate better clinical care and outcomes. So I, I agree with Joe. I, I, I've definitely felt more and more recognition within the marketplace with various stakeholders of those and feel like that's really brought more and more folks to the table and recognition towards health systems and what we do differently. Another topic that you talk about in your editorial, and I imagine there's actually there's probably a relationship to positive disruption, but you, you talk about growing pains as well in your editorial. You know, what are some of those growing pains that, that, that people need to be prepared for uh, as they either grow, sorry about the pun there, or establish health system-based specialty pharmacy programs? One of the growing pains is that we, we do things similar, but not the same. So I, I think marketplace stakeholders and specialty really do want to bucket health system specialty together. And at the end of the day, that, that requires balancing the fact that we each handle specialty a little bit differently, which is oftentimes a strength within our individual programs. We can customize what we do based on our patient populations, based on our providers, based on our care models, but the downside is having to explain those differences, why we do things a little bit different from one health system, health system to another, which, which can be very complex to explain and, and difficult, I think, for stakeholders to keep track of. But I, I think we've also recognized that different things are, are important to different stakeholders within the specialty space. So, for example, I think many health system specialty pharmacies grew out of really partnering with physicians and patients because those were the voices that we heard complaining about working with external specialty pharmacies, to be frank. So I think the instead we hadn't partnered maybe as much with, let's say, health plans as an example, who have a different view and a different need, but are key 
stakeholders in the long term. So I think really understanding how to communicate to different stakeholders and identify what their needs are beyond maybe the providers and the patients that we started with has been a growing pain for, for many organizations. Yeah, and, and I'll I'll just add, I think those are great points. And you know, from my perspective and, and thinking about this as well, each organization has a starting point and is somewhere along the spectrum of, of you know getting to their ideal state in a form of maturity for their specialty pharmacy program. You know, I think as as folks continue to try to get into the specialty pharmacy marketplace, it gets harder and harder to to kind of do what you want to do and have access to the patients that you want to have access to. And and I think we're all seeing that as you know, vertical integration continues to be a force within the marketplace and and driving volumes where patients can fill and and where they have a choice. And so. Inevitably, when you start a program, you know, you start with what you have access to. And to Scott's point, a lot of that's the patients and providers that want to work with you. And obviously the payers that are, are more open and the products that are more open. No matter where you start, you're going to grow that organically. And you're ultimately going to run into a spot where you plateau, right? You can't grow much more. You've maxed out most of what your capture rate is, but you're running into those restrictions now. You're running into payer lockouts, you're running into drugs that you want to fill for your patients that you can't access from a manufacturer. And I think those are some of the growing pains as well as how do you prioritize that? How do you determine what you're going to go after first? Because depending on where you are regionally in your health system, you might have access to only 20% of your overall portfolio of specialty patients that you could serve. So it's really thinking about, you know, what's the strategy to tackle that? How are you going to you know, get through that ceiling and continue to grow your business and then move on to the next one. I hear quite a bit about health systems that have kind of just hit that point and they need help growing a little bit more. Um, they need help breaking through that to that next level. So to Scott's point, you know, we're, we're all similar, but we're not the same. That couldn't be more true. And I think that's also where, you know, the efforts that ASHP and other specialty pharmacy networks are pursuing to try to amplify that voice and leverage our collective volumes is becoming more and more important because as a health system, typically a not-for-profit, you're you're trying to negotiate with large corporations that are extremely competitive. So that's where we kind of need that collective voice and we need that collaborative nature across health systems, which we have so good in pharmacy, to be able to use that in the specialty pharmacy space um, like we haven't before. So, Joe, I want to get back to that issue of plateauing and then growing beyond that. But before we go there, you used a term that you also, the two of you used in your editorial, and I'd ask you to define it because all listeners may not be familiar with the the concept of vertical integration. And I think that's something we hear frequently mentioned these days. Yeah, I can... uh maybe speak to it and then Scott, feel free to chime in. You know, from a from a big picture perspective, I, I mentioned the growth in specialty pharmacies across the board. Unfortunately, the volume of filling for specialty pharmacy products doesn't align with the number of the percentage of health system specialty pharmacies in the marketplace. That's dominated by, you know, three to five large PBM owned specialty pharmacies. So when we're talking about vertical integration, you know, health plan payers own PBMs, PBMs own specialty pharmacies. And unfortunately, the way the system's set up right now is they can oftentimes dictate within their benefit plans and their contracts with employers and health plans and others that those prescriptions for their members basically get routed to their PBM owned specialty pharmacies. So 
that's the inherent challenge right now for, for health systems is, you know, how, how do we continue to collaborate with payers and employers and others to, to highlight the services we, we can provide and, and why we think there's value there. But ultimately, it's that vertical integration of things are coalescing and a lot of that volume and value is concentrated in just a few specialty pharmacies that are more national mail service specialty pharmacies. So Scott, reflecting on Joe's description of vertical integration and also going back to that issue of some programs hitting a plateau and and needing to advance beyond that, where do you see specialty pharmacy going in the in the future? How how is it how is it going to grow, especially in the context of some of these challenges that Joe was just talking about? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I mean, first off, I think the scope of what specialty pharmacy is, is probably going to continue to grow. I think in part that's because the core of what specialty pharmacies do is really just providing really good patient care and making the medication use process easier. So specifically things like infusion products, clinic-administered injectable products, more and more of those are entering the specialty discussion and I think impacting health systems. So specialty pharmacy, I think, is a as a set of what disease states and what products we've been talking about maybe five years ago compared to now continues to evolve and will continue to evolve. And I think we just all need to be be ready for that and recognize that products either from a billing perspective or, or what types of services you need to remain an effective specialty pharmacy to handle them are are probably going to change. And also, I, I think taking some of the lessons we've learned from specialty and applying them to non-specialty high-risk patients or populations will continue to grow as well. It's, you know, from the health system perspective, managing specialty patients is obviously very important. But to Joe's point earlier, we, we manage really all sorts of patients, and even if they're specialty patients, they're non-specialty disease states as well. So I really do see what we've learned in specialty pharmacy continuing to grow both in specialty and outside. And I guess my hope would be that as part of, I don't know, combating that vertical integration or really kind of showing our value within that more consolidated competitive marketplace, that we can leverage our ability to do that do that well and really bring that to a marketplace that I think is looking for what type of model provides the best value. And I'm hopeful at the end of the day that we can show that that value within health systems and specialty is high and that will continue to allow health system specialties to grow into the future. So, so Joe, with that in mind, and, and, and what I heard Scott talking about is what we know is currently the value, but also preparing for medications that may be approved that we we don't even know what those are at this point that may have unique characteristics and needs associated with them, payer issues that you that that may evolve over time. Is the are there opportunities for the practice model itself as you know it today? To, for that to evolve too. So it's it's also, I guess, the way I would describe it, I, I think I heard Scott talking about a lot of the external factors that will affect 
specialty pharmacy in over the next five years or so. What about internal factors? And are there ways that, as I said, the practice model will evolve? Yeah, I think I, I think it's happening happening already on the practice model side. And a lot of that too goes back to where programs are and, and how successful they've been at kind of those internal campaigns. So we've talked a lot about external factors to your point. And, and I think something else that's been a struggle historically, but you know, the the efforts across the country and, and you know, obviously peers and colleagues are doing this have helped bolster that internal you know, advocacy within your own organizations around the importance of doing this, getting resources for it, and getting things established or growing. So I think that's step one around the practice model, because honestly, we see a lot of the time people start with what they have, which is perfectly fine and, and appropriate, right? Like you have to be pragmatic about these types of things, but there's, a, there's an ROI there and there's definitely value in pursuing them. But then as you grow, you have to be thinking about that practice model. And we have organizations in ASHP that that span across that, right? We have some that run a small operation out of their outpatient pharmacy all the way to large health systems and academic medical centers that have standalone mail service specialty pharmacy centers almost that have kind of all these different components tied together where you have a large prior authorization team, you have you know board certified specialty pharmacists in multiple disease states and they have specific areas of expertise. And so we're already there to some degree as far as some health systems and what they're doing and their practice model being extremely advanced and, and amazing for the care they provide to patients and others. But yeah, I think there's internal evolutions of practice model, but also some of these external forces that we're talking about, I think are also changing not only the practice model, but the support services around it. So I think specialty pharmacies are getting better at data analytics. And a lot of that you have to do if you want to be in restricted payer networks and restricted manufacturer networks, if you're going to go and pursue accreditation, all these different business support functions within, within the team are important. But I think, you know, overall, just specific around the practice model, it really goes back to having those advanced roles for pharmacy technicians. They can take on a lot of the work that pharmacists are doing and managing some of the technical aspects of patient outreach, patient communication, clinic communication, and then really elevating your pharmacist to require board certification. So when I left my role at University of Wisconsin, all of our pharmacists, both within the specialty pharmacy as well as the community pharmacy, were required to be board certified in their different areas of expertise. And so continuing to push those types of efforts to help differentiate health system specialty pharmacies and make that value pitch to our business partners in the marketplace is going to be continually important as well. Continuing on this theme of the future, one of the things that you and Joe talked about in your editorial is you talked about additional considerations. You talked about the need for outcomes research. Can you describe a little bit more that why there's a need for outcomes research and specifically what areas would benefit most from a focus? on outcomes research? Yeah, I, I think that's perhaps the biggest frontier that we're all trying to tackle together within, within the health system specialty pharmacy space is really, you know, we, we are providing a lot of high touch service to these patients and we know that they are high risk. We know that without some of that, that they, they run a variety of risks in terms of maybe not staying on their medications, perhaps not starting them at all. However, what, what we, I think, are all trying to do is say, well, what beyond that in terms of an end 
disease state outcome can we show that pharmacy intervention, specialty pharmacy services can impact? So really getting back to the core of well, if pharmacists are managing patients, if we're providing education, monitoring them long term, what is the impact on that on, on their um, disease state outcomes? So, for example, do patients have a better likelihood of having a viral response, a sustained viral load in an infectious disease? Do patients progress towards disability more slowly in some of our disease states, perhaps? Do they experience fewer hospitalizations? So, I, I think that outcomes research, we've made a lot of progress in showing that we can improve the patient journey. We can improve satisfaction within the health system space. We have a, some growing evidence that we think we can improve or at least demonstrate clinical outcomes, but there's still opportunity there. And I really do believe health system specialty pharmacies are, are probably the only type of institutions that can really do that type of research at scale, given our access to information on how the patients are doing and ability to gather that information in a correct way to actually do a well-designed study. Joe, what about you? Is there a, a specific uh, research question or two that, that intrigue you? You know, I think Scott hit it on the head as far as what the effort is right now and, and maybe just to take that a step further. And it's not a specific research question, but it's really around data looking at how do we get to the point of being able to demonstrate disease state specific data for, you know, there's disease states where you can measure the outcome. You want to get rid of a virus, right? We can measure that. There's discrete data that we can pull and demonstrate. There's also especially disease states where it's a progression, right? Multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis. It's much harder to demonstrate, you know, what's the specific outcome and can you keep it consistent? And do all of your physicians use that outcome or do they use different, you know, tools or assessments or those types of things? So, I think we're all moving in the same direction and there's definitely going to be, you know, as we have those difficult, overcome some of those challenges with getting discrete data and being able to report it, we're going to get over those, those hurdles. And I think, you know, health systems are doing it already to Scott's point and, and that's great. And continuing to share that information is ultimately going to lead to more collective success. So ultimately, I think that's where we need to go. But the nice thing is right now, we can also focus on some of those larger outcomes. What's overall utilization look like? What does the total cost of care look like? So when we're talking with payers and PBMs, it's pretty nice when you're documenting everything within your EMR and can use that data because you almost have cohorts. You know patients that have to go and use outside pharmacies and you know patients that you can fill for. So being able to demonstrate that through setting up a research study whereby you know, what does total utilization look like? What does total cost of care look like for a specific disease state or a group of members or whatever it might be? You have a really good opportunity to do a cohort analysis and just see how do patients perform, how do outcomes perform over that period of time that you're looking at. So I think, you know, you know, a lot of health systems are doing that already, but being able to, to hit on that is going to be increasingly important in the, in the coming years. And, and it's been exciting to see some of the work that's coming out lately related to that. You know, as, I, as I've listened to you, what's really apparent, first of all, your passion for this is apparent, but it's also apparent that it was a huge amount of work to do this theme issue. Joe, I, I wonder if you sort of regret taking our call when we first called you and asked you to take it on. What really drove you to, to commit all the time it took to be the guest editor for an HHP theme issue? Yeah, I, I think the... Probably the easiest response is just passion for helping other health systems 
develop and grow their programs and optimize their programs. You, you know, I think we have a, a nice family in, in pharmacy, especially in health system pharmacy across the country. And, you know, I've gotten to learn from a lot of other leaders through ASHP and other organizations as well. And so just a way to, to give back and, you know, something that I think that is a, is a critical element for, for health systems. So, you know, the, the time spent was all time well spent. And I think, you know, a lot of the accolades go to the authors that spent a lot of time putting forth their efforts and some of their thoughts at my and Scott's behest. So uh, we appreciate their efforts as well. Scott, what about you? What kept you committed to this over what was probably a 12 to 18 month process? Yeah, it, well, it's been a great opportunity and always fun to work with Joe. So uh, something we don't always do well within health system specialty pharmacy is publish all the great things that we're doing. So I think having this theme issue gives us the, a great opportunity to, to get some of that great work in writing and really share it out there in a great and digestible format. And I also had the opportunity to work with and learn from many of those who contributed to the first theme issue. So uh, we wanted to do our part to continue on that legacy. Thank you both. And with that, that's all the time we have today. I wanna to thank Dr. Joseph Cesars and Dr. Scott Canfield for joining us today to talk about the HHP Specialty Pharmacy theme issue, which was recently published on www.hhp.org. Please join us here each month for discussions on contemporary pharmacy practice issues and interviews with HHP authors. Scott, Joe, again, I wanna thank you for a great discussion today. Look forward to seeing your theme issue uh, read and used by many practitioners across the country. So thanks so much. Thank you for listening to AJHP Voices. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes please visit AJHP.org.